Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. I'm set on you somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink-foamed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbrough, and glad to have you with me again this week. And today, uh, I want to talk about hunting white-tailed deer to fill the homestead freezer. You know, homesteading isn't all about gardening and raising livestock. Hunting is as much of a long-standing tradition for supplying meat for the homestead as anything else. And uh, hunting white-tailed deer is one of the most common and most rewarding hunts a homesteader can partake in. I I love to deer hunt. I've been doing it since I was probably about 13. Dad started taking us out, me and my brother out to, to hunt deer. And um, we started with bows. We didn't start with guns. Uh, when we got old enough to where we could uh, pull back a compound bow, we, we had our first bear bows, and uh, we started uh, hunting. And uh, <laughs> wasn't very good at it, but we could hit the bulls. We was good with a bow. Me and my brother both were pretty good with our bow, but, you know, for kids, sitting still, <laughs> it's tough. You know, we always hunted from blinds and, and, and stuff back then. But uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but first, I wanted to tell you about something that's uh, going on here at the end of this month. It's the um, Mother Earth News Online Summit, hosted by Marjorie Wildcraft. And a lot of good speakers are going to be doing sessions in that. And it's all online. And here's the great part. It's all free. But here, I'm going to let Marjorie uh, Wildcraft tell you all about it. And then we'll come back and uh, start talking about uh, deer hunting. Have you ever wanted to go to a Mother Earth News homesteading fair? Or if you've been, have you ever wished you could have gotten to see all the presentations? There's so much going on and I'm sure you missed a few that you really wanted to see. Well, I've got really good news for you. My name is Marjorie Wildcraft and I'm the founder of the Grow Network. We're a global network of people who are producing their own food and medicine and we're really honored to have been chosen by Mother Earth News to be the host of their next upcoming online Homesteading Summit. Yep, this is an online event with 35 presentations by some of the best thought leaders, the best-selling authors, and the leading research institutes that are working on developing skills for sustainable living and homesteading and producing your own food. We are so excited about this event. It's totally free starts October 31st and runs through November 6th, but you do need to register. Now, when you register, and it's really simple and free, I'm going to also send you three free eBooks. Just check down below to see what they are. It's on chickens and tomatoes and home and livestock waterers. You're going to love it. The event is completely free. All you need to do is put your name and your email address in the spot below, and I will reserve a seat for you at the upcoming Homesteading Summit. Well, there you have it from Marjorie. I hope you'll uh, sign up for the free online Mother Earth News Homesteading Summit. I think it's going to be really good. Go ahead and register. If you want to uh, see the link for that, it'll be in the show notes at the bottom of the page. Or you can just go to smalltownhomestead.com backslash homesteading summit and it'll take you to a sign up page where you can get your free tickets for that online summit. It's going to be really good. I think there'll be a lot of valuable uh, 
um, teaching there. There's also a couple people speaking in that who have been on the podcast before, so I think uh, you know you'll really enjoy it. Anyway, let's get back to uh, deer hunting to supply the meat for the homestead. Uh, first of all, let's talk about this. Is is deer meat a cheap way to fill the freezer? <laughs> well, it can be. Um, supplying venison for the homestead can be an inexpensive protein source for for sure, but it usually isn't. And here's what I mean by that. Most hunters spend a lot of money on hunting equipment and toys. Um, there is a way to hunt deer in a frugal manner, and I don't think it takes away from the fun of the hunt at all because most homesteaders already own a firearm capable of hunting deer with and everything else someone would purchase just makes the hunt, you know, maybe more likely to be successful or more fun. You know, I, um, I've always used cheaper bows. Matter of fact, the bow I hunt with now is a uh, used bow that I bought. Uh, actually my wife bought it at a rummage sale and, uh, she's like, is this a good one? She bought it for a hundred bucks. And I'm like, yeah, that's a pretty good one. And you know, you can look for deals like that. You see people that buy these things, they maybe hunt for a season. They're not really into it. They find maybe they only used it once or twice and they sell it. And I've bought a tree stand like that. My climber tree stand I bought like that. Uh, I've bought uh, just a number of, of hunting uh, items uh, from garage sales, rummage sales, uh, Craigslist over the years. And some of it I've bought new, no doubt. And I've probably spent more money than I probably should have in times for hunting but it is something i really enjoy but in the end it it can be it can be a, ch- a cheap way to fill the freezer or it could cost you more than than a you know a prime cut of meat uh from the grocery store for sure because some people spend a lot of money on equipment to go hunting and and that's all right I, i'm not saying that's wrong if you've got the money to spend on it and it's not money that you're going to use for something more important and you're thinking of it as just hey this is something i want Go for it. Buy a buy a better gun. Buy a new bow. Buy top of the line tree stands and camouflage and all the toys. I'm okay with it. You know, I, I think um, it's up to you. It's your money. You need to do what you want with it. But if you're looking to supply meat for your homestead in an affordable way, there's ways to do it without breaking the bank. To be sure. So what you're going to need first of all is some basic deer hunting equipment. Um, I'm going to talk about archery because, you know, it's archery season right now as I'm talking about this. I went hunting last night, didn't see anything, but I loved archery hunt. It's, it's probably my favorite kind of hunting to do. There's uh, four ways you can do that. Longbow, recurve, compound bow, or crossbow. And I won't really talk much about longbow or recurve. I have shot uh, longbow and recurve as a kid, but I don't hunt with them, never have. I use a compound bow. Uh, that's what I've always hunted with uh, since I was 13 years old, and I like it. I'm, I'm pretty good with it, and uh, I enjoy it, and I like the challenge of it. And see, now a lot of people are switching to crossbows. Used to, uh, here in our state, uh, that you couldn't use the crossbow during archery season unless you had some kind of an exemption like a shoulder injury or something like that that would allow you to use it. But now they've opened it up here in the last couple of years where anybody can use a crossbow in archery season. There's some pros and cons to that, I think. Um, I like it that, that folks are, you know, it more uh, folks are out and, and enjoying hunting and supplying meat for their home uh, because they shoot a crossbow. What I don't like about it is I hunt on a lot of public ground and used to, 
During archery season, there was almost nobody out there. Since they made it now to where you can use the crossbow in archery season, there are a lot more people hunting on public grounds. And that's okay. It's something you have to deal with if you're going to hunt on uh, on public land. But uh, I, love to, I love to shoot archery. And like I said, you can find some really good deals on used bows. Some things you got to watch out for, though, um, if you're going to buy a used bow. You want to get those limbs inspected. Before you ever pull it back once, you definitely want to look the limbs over really good and make sure there's no like hairline cracks, especially around where they attach to the main uh, part of the bow. Look for any kind of hairline fractures or anything like that. Check the string really good. Make sure it's not frayed or got some bad spots in it anywhere. And if you see either one of those things, do not pull that bow back. Do not pull it back. Uh, I've seen a bow explode on somebody before and uh, cut somebody and hit them, and it wasn't pretty. Um, you can do some serious damage to yourself if a bow breaks on you Um, because it is like a bomb going off because there's a lot of pressure on them limbs. I'm not trying to scare you away from shooting a bow. I've been shooting a bow. Like I said, since I was 13, I've never had it happen to me, and I have shot a lot of used bows. But look them over real good before you do that. You don't want the the string breaking. Uh, That can smack you pretty hard, and you don't want the... uh, the limbs to break um, if the string is bad and the limbs look good getting one restrung is not a big deal uh, any bow shop can do that for you and it's not that expensive so yeah definitely look into that don't be afraid of a bow just because it needs restrung if it looks good and it's a good buy and you're getting you know a real good deal on it uh, just because it needs restringed it doesn't make it a, a no purchase so yeah look for that Make sure it's the right poundage and right length for you. And if it's not, you know, if it's a bow that can, usually on there somewhere they have a tag that tells the range where they can be set to. And I don't know, I think that varies 26 inches up to usually 31 inches or something like that. I mean, it usually has quite a variance on the draw and the poundage also. So you want to look at that. I think the, like for here in Indiana, the minimum uh, poundage you can hunt deer with is 35 pounds. That's what I was shooting when I was a kid. You better make a good shot with that kind of poundage for sure because uh, it probably isn't going to go through bone or anything really well. Today's bows are are a lot faster and they have a better release to them than the older bows. So, I mean, buying a new one isn't uh, something you necessarily have to shy away from if you have the money. They are a better bow. There's no doubt about it. They're expensive, though. I mean, you got bows ranging in the 1000 to $1,200 range. Uh, good very good bows, but I think a lot of it is the name on that bow, and there's just a, a lot of uh, commercialization going on in archery these days. But, hey, I'd love to have one of them $1,200 bows floating around. They look sharp, and from everything I can tell, they have some pretty good qualities about them. But I use, I use an older bow, and I have no problem with it. Guns. Uh, most homesteaders have a gun. Around here, you know, and, and I'm going to be talking a lot from, from my perspective, which is the Midwest. I live in Indiana. You know, we weren't even allowed to use rifles up until just a few years ago. It was shotguns only. And uh, they just, they, you know, here in the last few years, they've, they've opened up rifles and handguns. We also, had, we also had muzzle loaders we've always been able to use. So it was shotguns and muzzle loaders for, for guns. And still, around here, a shotgun is really all you have to have. Rifles are nice. If you got a nice rifle, that's great. But you don't need something that's going to shoot a half mile. You really don't around here. Most of the hunting you're going to do in the woods around here, you're going to be taking 100 yards or less shots most of the time. And a shotgun will do that. Uh, rifled barrel 12-gauge uh, will shoot a slug that far easily. Uh, muzzle loaders are a lot of fun. Uh, and I got a buddy who 
faithfully hunts deer every year with handguns and he really enjoys that and you know what whatever you want to do it's all it's all fun and and it'll all put meat on the table so uh, i don't have any problem with any of those you're going to need some camouflage apparel uh, again, another thing I think is highly overrated. I think you do need something on to break up the pattern. But I've been out in the woods before squirrel hunting, leaned up against a tree with blue jeans and a flannel shirt on, and had a deer walk up within about 10 yards of me before. It's not the most important thing, but I think it's important. If you, if you, I think more important than camouflage is being super, super still. They pick up on movement, uh, even in the blink of an eye. Uh, can set them off so movement is even more important but uh, camouflage does help hide you no doubt about it and will take away from a a little bit of the problem you might have with moving and and such and and you know what you're going to want to buy weather appropriate clothing as well and get get camouflage if you're going to buy clothing for hunting you know camouflage apparel weather appropriate you're going to need a nice pair of boots uh, waterproof preferably good traction Uh, you're going to be doing a lot of hiking carrying um Climbing, maybe, depending on where you're hunting from, which brings us to the next uh, item. You might want a blind, a hunting blind. And uh, these come, you can get the pop-up ones. You can you can actually build your own blind. I mean, you could build one. Uh, you could buy some um, camouflage uh, wrap and, and, you know, wrap it around some trees and make you a little blind to set down in. Those, when you sit, stand up to pull the bow back or raise the gun up, uh, deer can look over it. So you still got to be really careful and, and real slow when you do that. But the nice pop-up ones are really good. They, they've really got them set now to where uh, they got the nice windows. They even got the sh- Some of them even have the shoot-through screens, which are really nice because the deer really can't see you in there at all. So I enjoy shooting, uh, hunting from a blind. Um, I never... We used to build, when I was a kid, we used to build our own blinds all the time. We would just you know, bring up around a, a bunch of uh, tree limbs, or we might get some of that camouflage netting to kind of wrap around some trees, and then we'd set a few limbs out in front or whatever. We'd make us a nice clear area inside and set us some little uh, hunting stools in there, and that's what we would hunt with. And, uh, that's, and then I got into tree stand hunting, and it was always tree stand hunting, which I'll talk about next here in a minute after that. But I started taking my... Uh, my kids and even my nephews hunting a few years ago and i so i bought a nice pop-up blind and i gotta tell you i really like it you know if you're, you got kids especially you're gonna be doing a lot of moving around and jittering and you know scratching and whatever else uh setting them inside of a blind is going to really increase your chances of seeing some deer or the deer not seeing you rather uh tree stands you might want to get a tree stand there's really three main kinds here uh, the hanging fixed position stands these are the ones you're going to have to to carry up and mount on the tree and then just attach some kind of a ladder to them or climbing sticks to the tree to where you can get up in it um, then there are the ladder stands these have the ladder built onto them and you just lean them up against a tree and then strap them up at the top and uh, those are really nice. Uh, I purchased one of those a few years ago and put them on some public hunting ground And uh, about a week before the youth season started because I was going to take my daughter hunting, and uh, she was really anxious to get up there, and it was a nice two-man ladder stand. And we go out on opening day of youth hunt, and the stand was gone. Somebody stole it, so I don't have one anymore. Uh, what I generally use nowadays is my climbing stand. I have a really nice uh, climbing stand that I purchased again purchased at a rummage sale for around 50 bucks i think 40 50 bucks and it's probably a 200 hundred dollar ladder uh, climbing stand it's a really nice one 
Yeah, and these are nice. You just you set in them, you attach them to the tree, and you just walk them up the tree. They're a little bit of work. Uh, you're not going to do anything quick. You're going to get up quick or get down quick, and you got to be really careful doing all this. You got to you want to make sure with with stands that you strap yourself in so you can't fall. A lot of people get hurt every year, or sometimes even killed, falling out of tree stands. So safety first on that, folks. Um, there's uh, harnesses they make that full like a full body harness you can hook to and then and it just straps to the tree and got enough play in there where you can stand up or turn around or you know do some things and but if you fall they'll hold you so i'm a big tree stand hunter i really like hunting from tree stands uh it gets you up above the um the deer's line of sight usually now that's not to say they can't see you uh if you're moving around a lot but if you move slow i found i don't even have to wear a lot of camouflage i don't camouflage up my face or anything but i get good and high i get 25 30 feet in the air with my climbing stand and um, you're kind of out of that that deer's line of sight and if you move normal or you move slowly and uh maintain make sure you have some good shooting lanes uh, it's a real good way to hunt uh every deer i've taken in my life i've t- taken from a tree stand so I'm a, I really enjoy hunting from tree stands. Uh, you might want to get a couple calls. You might want to get a grunt call for, uh, this is more of a buck grunt. There is a doe, uh, it's not really a grunt, it's a bleat. And then they have the estrus bleat, which is a little higher pitched. Uh, two different kinds of calls you can get. Nice to have, not necessary. Uh, especially the places I hunt, I don't, I don't even find it necessary at all. Uh, sometimes I think it scares them away. I hear guys hitting them things constantly and it's they don't know how to use them and that'll drive a deer away if you don't know how to use it but they can be useful if you're trying to bring a deer and you see one off of a distance and it doesn't want to come your direction it might work to call them in rattling antlers um, you can just use a regular set of uh, antlers that maybe you found or you've cut off of an old deer that you've you've shot and just bang those together and it simulates a couple bucks fighting which can bring in bucks uh, you can get artificial antlers that sound pretty close. A rattle bag is something you kind of roll between your hands, and uh, it has a real similar sound. It'll drag a buck in. They make some little, like, a, it's a little round, like, it's two round pieces, and you kind of roll them together, and they'll make that sound as well. And, and those are all easy to carry. They don't take up a lot of space. They take up less space than, than a full set of antlers, so you might just consider uh, getting something like that if you want to try to bring a big buck in uh, that you see maybe far off make him think there's a fight going on they have a hard time resisting that and then there's a cover sense and scent blocker uh you might want to look into again if you're hunting way up high in a tree stand i find no need for it i really don't you're you're kind of up above there you know as long as you're in a good wind position where your scent's not blowing towards them you're probably not going to even need to use anything. My dad was huge on using this. When I was a kid, we was growing up, and he bought this skunk scent. And we would just, like, just douse the area we were hunting in with this stuff and even put it on us sometimes, and it was rank. I mean, it literally smelled like a skunk. And uh, it would definitely cover your scent up, but I wasn't a big fan of it, and I don't think you need anything quite that strong. Nowadays, scents are much less detectable by human and much more detectable by by the deer in its sense that will cover up uh, or even have no scent at all you can spray stuff on you that's a complete scent blocker that uh, 
it just blocks human scent, but really doesn't cover it up with anything. There's also some some clothing out there uh, that does that. The camouflage apparel uh, I was talking about earlier, they actually have lines of, of clothing that are made as scent blockers to, to hold in your scent from the deer. Depending on how you, you choose to hunt, you you may want to use that. I won't talk a lot about today uh, the spot and stalk because it's just not something I do a lot. I, I don't have a lot of... Uh, good luck with that uh, trying to stock up on a deer especially because i'm an archery hunter and with archery it's much more difficult just because uh you know you have to be so much closer to the deer i've been pretty close to some deer archery hunting i mean i've made plenty of shots in less than 20 yards but it's just really hard uh like i said i do it from a tree stand you're really close if you're stalking them you're gonna have to be really good at that and there are people that are that good at that. I don't even try. I just I have just as much fun setting up in a tree stand, getting a good perspective on them as anything. Preparing for the hunt. Let's talk about that a little bit. <laughs> practice, practice, and, and even some more practice, especially if you're hunting archery. You need to go out and shoot regularly. You're going to want to practice because we don't believe in hurting deer, uh, just leaving one injured. Uh, in my life, I've shot two deer that I never found. I think I made good shots on them i think i just couldn't find them and uh they got in some tall weeds somewhere and i just never was able to locate them and they became coyote food no doubt about it and i didn't feel good about that at all so those were good shots and it's real easy to make a bad shot and never find your deer Uh, and maybe not even kill a deer there's pictures all over the internet with arrows like someone's took a picture of a doe with an arrow stuck in its face and it's out there trying to eat. I mean, things like that. You don't want that to happen. I mean, things happen, to be sure. But you want to reduce the chance of that happening as much as you can. And how you do that is by a lot of practice. A lot of practice. Um, stay good. And even with a gun, you want to practice. You want to go out occasionally and make sure your sights are lined up. Make sure your scope's dialed in. Uh, make sure you're on par with your shooting. Uh, bow or gun. You just want to make sure things are right. You don't want to hurt an animal. You want to kill it as quick as possible. Finding a place to hunt uh, can be kind of difficult um, around here. I wrote an article, oh, it's been a year ago, I guess, uh, called Finding Places to Hunt. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And also, I'm going to talk about a lot of products in here today. All those, you can like see blinds, different kinds of blinds and tree stands and all the products I'm going to talk about. I'll have links in the show notes for all those things you can check out. Uh, but this article, Finding Places to Hunt, How to Find Places to Hunt, I wrote about a year ago. And I talk a lot about public land and even how to acquire private uh, land for hunting. Um, it's a good article to read, I think, if you're going to have a trouble finding a place to hunt. It, maybe, you, maybe you have 100 acres and you already have a woods and it's yours and you're blessed. Uh, but sometimes it can be kind of difficult. And if you're going to hunt public land how to hunt public land. I talk a little bit about that in that article. So it's one to go check out um, if this is something maybe you're going to struggle with finding a good place to hunt. In that article, I, I put a list together of every state, the public hunting grounds of every state. So you'll be able to look at that and uh, find you a place to hunt wherever you live. Again, in preparing for the hunt, you're going to want to do some scouting. Once you find the woods you're going to be hunting in, you're going to go in there and, and scout uh, before season starts. I know season's already started in most places. So maybe this doesn't really apply to you but uh, this year. But you're going to look for trails, deer trails, fresh uh, uh, prints, uh, hoof prints in those deer trails. You're going to look for scrapes, rubs, 
Um, you're going to try to find food sources for deer, the water sources for deer, their bedding areas. And what you're going to want to do is use usually a trail leading from water and food sources to a bedding area. You're going to want to be somewhere along that trail, off that trail enough to get a good shooting uh, lane for when you go to shoot from your tree stand or your blind or whatever. Find an area in between there. You don't want to be right on the food source usually because it's going to be hard to get in there when they're not eating or their bedding area when they're when they're not bedding you want to be somewhere in between so you catch them in the flow generally and when you set up your stand or your blind or wherever you're going to be hunting from there's some things you have to consider on that for sure like you're going to want to think about the wind which way does the wind generally blow uh you're going to think about your shooting lanes you may have to clear paths off uh go in and cut some limbs down or whatever uh, to make some shooting lanes uh i have Oh, I missed, I think four years ago, I missed a nice buck. Because something, when you're hunting, you get so focused on putting that pin, especially with archery, on that deer, that sometimes you don't think about what is between the arrow and that deer. And I was shooting through some branches. And yeah, your sight might be seeing through those, but the arrow is a little below the sight and it might rub them. So you want to make sure you got clear paths. But anyway, I missed a nice buck because I clipped a, a little tiny branch and it, it, it kind of ricocheted the area up above the, um, the deer's back. And, oh, I was so upset. <laughs> anyway, that can happen really easy. So, uh, yeah, make sure you got clear shooting paths uh, from your get there, get up in your tree stand, look around, see if there's anything you need to cut out of your way uh, before you uh, go hunting. And you're going to want to, of course, uh, obtain a uh, hunting license. And that's uh, that's not hard. You may have to take a hunter safety course, though, if you've never hunted before, uh, depending on how old you are. Uh, a lot of states, it's after born after a certain date, uh, you have to take a hunter safety course. So it might be something you have to look into ahead of time. But, yeah, you'll have to have a license. You'll want to know all the safety laws in your area if you need to wear hunter's orange uh, for archery. In Indiana, we don't have to until gun season starts. And that's the thing about archery. Archery season goes from October 1st here uh, until January. And it you can stay hunting archery all the way through the, all the gun seasons. You know, muzzleloader and, and rifle and all, and all that. But we have to wear hunter's orange after gun season starts. But before that, we don't have to. But every state's different, so you need to know the rules and the laws for your state you need to know uh the hunting times like here it's a half hour before sunrise half hour after sunset you got to be out you got to be uh you got to stop hunting so there's just there's laws you need to be you need to pay attention to okay we we've we've kind of prepared for the hunt we're coming to hunting day uh again you you should already have your your areas set up where you're going to hunt but maybe you're like me and you don't have a lot of time, <laughs> so you're going to have to set up now on opening day, uh, which is kind of what I did yesterday. I had my climber uh, stand with me, and uh, I just trotted in the woods, and I spent about an hour looking around for a good place to hunt. I find a place, I set up, but you're going to, again, you're going to consider your wind direction, your shooting lanes. You also want to consider access in and out of the woods to, to where you're going to be hunting, to try not to scare the deer. Again, you don't want to walk through their food source. You don't want to walk through their bedding area uh, to get to your stand or your blind. You want to walk directly in there in a way that you're going to um, do as little to to upset the environment as possible. Uh, you don't want to scare the deer away. I, I have 
you know, spooked up deer many times trying to get to a blind or a tree stand. It happens. Uh, you want to try to set it up to where you do as little of that as possible. You're going to need a lot of patience on hunting day. Uh, that's the thing about deer hunting. It's unlike a lot of other hunting. Uh, I love to squirrel hunt. You walk in and within a couple hours you can shoot four or five squirrels. It's usually not like that with deer hunting. Uh, generally, you're going to be sitting there for hours and hours and day after day, maybe sometimes before you get a deer. Um, it was uh, three years ago, I think it was, opening day. I go in and uh, I got my climber, found me a good tree. I start going up the tree. I'm not being quiet, you know. I'm, I'm making some noise. My bow's on the ground because that's another thing with a with a with a tree stand, a, a climber stand. You usually want to just tie a rope on your uh, on your bow, leave it on the ground, tie it to your uh, climber, and as you work up the tree, once you get everything settled, then you pull your weapon, your your bow or your gun up with you. And uh, my bow was still on the ground. I just turned around after I got up in the tree. I sat in the seat, just kind of getting my bearings, making sure I'm where I want to be, getting ready to pull my bow up. And here come a nice doe in, a real nice doe. And she's about 40 yards out when I saw her. My bow's still on the ground. I'm about 30 feet up in the tree, and I'm like, okay. I'm trying to, you know, I've been huffing and puffing a little bit getting up in this tree. Climbers are a little bit of work getting up in the tree. And so I start pulling my bow up real slow, and it's just swinging. And the deer just keeps looking over and seeing the bow swinging. And they go back to eating. And then as soon as it put its head down and take a couple bites, I start pulling the bow up. Well, it took a couple steps and it walked behind this uh, tree. And when it went behind that tree, I'm pulling that thing up as quick as I could. I get it up there. And before this deer steps out on the other side of the tree, I already got an arrow uh, uh, ready to go. And I, he, she steps out. I pulled back and and I dropped her right there. She, she ran about maybe 20, 30 yards. It ended up being about a 20-yard shot. By the time I got everything ready from where I saw her, she'd only moved about 20 yards and uh, got her. I wasn't even in the tree three, four minutes tops, if that, and I had my deer on opening day. Uh, that's the way you want to hunt, folks, but that isn't that isn't common. Um, yesterday I was out on opening day. I sat out there for uh, five and a half hours and never seen anything. So that's more, that's usually the way it goes, but you know, it can go the other way too. And, uh, and I'll tell you, that's something else I really like about archery. Archery is my preferred way to hunt, but no doubt I am out there to put meat in the freezer first and foremost. That's why I take does, you know, I'll take, I'll take a doe or a buck. I don't really care if you're doing any kind of management or you're trying to increase the, the amount of deer on your property, you probably don't want to take a doe. You probably want to take bucks, but if you've got plenty of deer around, and you're just looking to put some meat on the table, I love a nice-sized doe. I have no problem taking a nice-sized doe. I'm not a trophy hunter. I'm out there to get meat. And that being said, if, if I if I get a, a deer early, uh, I'll usually hunt archery the whole year, even through the gun seasons, just because I love the challenge of it. It's more fun to me. I enjoy it. And I won't even take a gun out. Now, if I don't get one with a bow in archery season, I will go out with a gun because it, it does increase your chances of getting a deer. You're you know you're more likely to see deer uh farther off 60 70 80 yards and you can get them with a uh with a gun a whole lot better than you can with a bow so it is about putting meat on the table uh first and foremost but i love to archery hunt i love i love the challenge of it so if i get one early uh, i'll continue to hunt with a bow and try to get more with a bow it's just that much fun to me you want to pick your shot uh 
I see so many people making bad shots on deer. So many gut shots, too many neck shots. I just, you see a lot of injured deer. You see people, and you know what? Generally, it does result in a dead deer. But you know, it's it's hard to see, and you know the deer suffering, and it took a while to die. And sometimes it makes it a lot harder to find too. It's going to travel a lot further. You know, you may or may not find it. So a lot of practice. Pick your shot wisely. Don't try to shoot in a place where you feel like it ain't a good shot, like they're quartering to you or walking straight towards you or walking straight away from you. Don't make a stupid shot. Wait till they're broadside. Wait till they're quartering away. And then, you know, make a good heart-lung shot on your deer. I did shoot one straight under my stand one time, directly, straight down, right in the spine, dropped it immediately. But that's a that's a rare thing to do, and it's kind of a hard, you know. And sometimes it can be kind of a hard shot if you miss that spine. You definitely, if you're going to make a, try to make a spine shot straight down, you want to shoot in the heart lung area. That way, if you do miss the spine, you can still hit the heart and lungs. Because um, if you try to shoot it in the middle of the back or something, I mean, you can drop it, but it's not going to die right away. And and I mean, it ain't going to move, but it ain't going to die right away either. And if you miss the spine. Uh, you're going to make a gut shot or whatever, and it's not its not going to be a good shot. After you shoot your deer, uh, stay calm and pay attention. It's really hard to stay calm, even when you shoot a doe. It's just you, your hands are shaking. You get us an adrenaline. You get this adrenaline rush. It's exciting. But you need to really pay attention to where you shot that deer. That deer is more than likely going to take off running, especially with a bow. Uh, and, and that's mostly what I'm talking about here is with, with a bow. Uh, with a gun, you're going to see the direction. You're... You know, it's probably going to drop pretty fast. But if you make a, a little bit of a bad shot or a, maybe a single lung shot, uh, it, it might go away before it dies. So what you want to know is exactly where you shot that deer. And that's going to come into play in a minute when it comes to following blood trails. You need to know where to start the, the trail. And sometimes if you get a good shot, lots of blood, this can be really easy. If you get a shot where there's just not a lot of blood, it can be kind of difficult. And you might just get a spot here and a spot there, and you just have to keep going until you find a dead deer. And it sometimes it can be tough. I, we, me and a buddy, I shot one one time, and I, yeah, I made a good shot on it, but it took us a couple hours to find that deer, and it was buried up in some weeds. And uh, But we just wasn't seeing as much blood as I would have liked to have seen. Uh, the arrow showed like we had some good blood on the arrow, but you know it was a shot that was, uh, it didn't, it was kind of a further off shot, so the arrow was more out the other side rather than like down below. Sometimes when it's closer, you're shooting at a sharper angle down, and the arrow will actually exit more downward on the deer, and you'll get a lot more blood that way. But when you're shooting more out from a blind or from you know further shot from a tree stand, your your arrow is going to fly a little more horizontally, and you're not going to get as much blood sometimes out of a shot like that. Um, so it might be a little harder to, to track the, the deer, but you're going to want to follow the blood trails. And that's a whole skill in and of itself, trying to follow a blood trail. But uh, it's something you'll, you'll, you'll have to get good at if you're going to shoot a lot of deer, no doubt about it. When you find your deer, you're going to want to almost immediately fill out a temporary a tag for your deer. Most states, you have to fill out your temporary tag. With Indiana, we have to, you have to fill it out and have that on your, on your person uh, until as long as you're with the deer until you get it to a vehicle then you're going to field dress your deer now honestly there's no way i can tell you how to field dress a deer that means you're gutting it you're taking all the guts out of it youtube i mean youtube is going to be your best resource for knowing how to field dress a deer you're going to see a bunch of different ways they're all going to work the main 
idea is to get the guts out of the deer without making a mess. You want to be careful not to puncture the intestines or the stomach uh, when you do this because, well, it stinks bad. <laughs> so you're going to just want to watch some, you know, a few YouTube videos, get the idea of what has to happen. It's, it's really not that hard. It's pretty messy. You might want to get you some uh, long plastic gut gloves or these real cheap like field dressing gloves they make that kind of go up your arm. You're going to want some good equipment for that. We'll talk about that in a minute. And it's just something you got to do in the woods. Uh, it's going to make dragging that deer out a lot easier, having that weight out of the deer. And we'll talk about that, uh, dragging a deer out of the woods. Man, that can be a lot of work, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> depending on where you're at, how far from your vehicle you are. And I hunt a lot of public ground. And on public ground, you can't drive back to where your deer are. You can't use ATVs to get back there. Uh, you got to manhandle that deer out of that woods. And, and something about public hunting ground is a lot of times I go pretty deep in the woods just to get away from people. And I'm telling you, a half mile or a mile dragging a deer out can feel like 20 miles. And I don't know about you, but uh, if you've ever drug a deer out, a hundred pounds feels like a thousand pounds <laughs> trying to drag a deer out. I think a deer instantly gains like 50 pounds the second it dies because it, it it's a lot of work getting a deer out. It really is. Now, there's there's carts they make for that. But again, if you're going to be hunting way back in a public ground, it's a lot of stuff to carry back. So you may or may not want to take something like that back there with you. It can save your back, and it's a lot of work, and it can take you quite a while to get a deer out of woods dragging it out. But it's part of it, you know. You want to be in good shape for deer hunting, no doubt about it. But here's where, you know, it's nice. I, I love I love the uh, modern technology. I love having cell phones because years ago, you were just stuck out there and you had to do it. Now you can call a buddy up and say, hey, I just got one. You want to come help me drag this out of the woods? And that's that's really helpful. So modern technology is a blessing when it comes to dragging a deer out of the woods. And in most states, you're going to have to go check your deer in somewhere after you get it out of the woods. Uh, it's going to have to be tagged temporarily. You're going to have to attach that your temporary tag to it. And you're going to go somewhere where you can get a permanent tag for your deer. Uh, now, uh, a lot of states are doing online check-ins, which is pretty handy. I've actually, Indiana just started doing that, so I'll be using that function uh, hopefully this year. Um, but in the past, you had to take it to a deer check-in station, and they would put a deer tag a tag on the deer so you could uh, process it. Okay, hanging, skinning, and butchering your deer. You're going to need a good set of knives. Main uh, Number one thing, you're going to have to have a good set of knives. You're going to need that good set of knife for the field to field dress it. You're going to need some good uh, butchering knives, uh, maybe a, a bone saw. Um, I put a, I'm going to put a link in the, in the show notes uh, of a 12-piece portable butcher kit with a hard side carry case. Uh, by Outdoor Edge, really good set of knives. This is one I think you'll probably want to get. It's not real expensive. I can't remember how much it is. Now let me just go there real quick and see how much that was. Uh, it's the one I bought and I really like it. 60 bucks, 59.95, and you can get it on Amazon Prime. It's a good set of knives. I really like it. Works really well. But it doesn't matter if you buy that or something else. That's a good one though. That's a good set. A meat grinder is a real handy thing to have. Uh, I, in the past, and we still have it just for emergencies, one of them hand crank meat grinders and sausage stuffers. Oh, man. They work, but they're a lot of work. <laughs> a lot of work. A good electric one is worth having. And um, 
so we purchased an electric one finally <laughs> and a much, much better uh, way to grind meat. Um, and you're going to want a vacuum sealer. A vacuum sealer is going to be real handy for this. You can you can get butcher paper and do it do it the old way and just wrap it in the old white butcher paper. But I, we really like our vacuum sealer. We use it a lot from our garden. We use it a lot for, for, for all kinds of things. We just love having our vacuum sealer. So you might want to look at some different uh, kinds of those. And you're going to want a large freezer, uh, which every homesteader should have anyway, right? we got to have a freezer to store all of our stuff. So make sure you got some freezer space for that deer. And you know what? From, from the beginning to the end, deer hunting is a lot of fun. It's a great way to put meat on the table. And, um, you know, I, I think it's one of the uh, things that, especially with a young person, if you got kids and you can get them into hunting, they're going to develop an appreciation and a love for nature like nothing else. Uh, so many people that dislike hunters, they don't understand that hunters have a greater love for wildlife, for animals, for nature than they probably will ever have. We have an appreciation that they just don't understand, most of us. Now, I've been around hunters that, that don't have that kind of attitude, but generally if you raise a kid to just love wildlife, he's going to want to preserve that wildlife. He's going to want to preserve nature and enjoy it. I see a hunter occasionally will leave trash out in the woods or something. It just makes me sick at my stomach because they just don't understand. You know, they're 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 the kind of person who who just doesn't have any um, sense of the next generation, preserving things for the next generation, and uh, we need to pay attention to that. We need to we need to love nature. We need to appreciate nature. We need to do what we can to preserve it. There's a there's a poem about uh, deer hunting that I ran. Well, it's really a prayer um, that I ran across a while back, and I thought it was pretty good. And uh, I think it just says a lot about the heart of a deer hunter. It goes like this: "O oh Lord, I am a hunter, and life I seek to take. But let me not attempt the shot beyond my skill to make. For Lord, they are your creatures, given for our use. But each one falls within your sight." They're not for our abuse. And when I loose my arrow, please guide it swift and true, or let it miss completely, Lord, that pain be not undue. A clean kill or no kill, Lord, such is my heart's desire. Give me the skill to make it so, or let me hold my fire. And when my time upon this earth, the days they are fulfilled, grant that I may die at least as clean as those I killed. That's a prayer written by Timothy D. Cook. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode, folks. Get out there, do some hunting, fill the freezer, enjoy life. Happy homesteading. God bless. Thanks for listening. To see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow.